This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. All this time, Porter, everything you've done, everything you've said, I've heard all about. So you've made some remarks in the past about when is Papa Fritz going to be here. Papa Fritz is here. episode 27 where we're discussing world-class championship wrestling episode 38 on the network from september 11th 1982 and of course i'm with kelly nelson and johnny sorrow kelly how you doing friend uh always always doing good when i'm with you guys talking world class hot and johnny how you doing uh, i'm doing okay awesome awesome okay is great in my book um but, hey, we're going to go right to the action. And we open up with Brian Adidas versus Roberto Ernesto Kelly. Man, what an opener. Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched these two episodes, or the Oof. last two episodes, back-to-back. So. so did I. Yeah, so we have Brian Adidas in the main event of the previous show, and now he's in the curtain jerker for the next one. And uh, Roberto Ernesto, this is two curtain jerkers in a row, I believe, for him. Yep. Yeah. It is. So yeah, it's 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 just such a it's such a thin talent roster here. Um okay, so here we go. Oh, okay, so yeah, Adidas can get his revenge because he lost to Roberto Ernesto in some mysterious town somewhere, according to Jay Saldi. <laughs> um but then at the beginning Saldi says Adidas should have no problem beating uh Renesto, so what does that mean? <laughs> anyway, it's Jay Saldi. Um Stinks. Here we go. Mercer and Saldi immediately bring up Hulk Hogan and his Ugh. role in Rocky Three, um, because his younger brother, <laughs> Dizzy, Dizzy, Dizzy Hogan, uh-huh. is coming to town at some point. Oh boy! Um, Dizzy Hogan is was of course Brutus Beefcake. Um, I checked the records. I couldn't find any records of Dizzy Hogan. In world class, so we may be <laughs> we may be disappointed. Uh, I think they just glammed onto the Hogan in uh, the movie, so they knew they couldn't get the Hulkster. So, uh-huh. they, so they pretended that they were going to get Dizzy. Dude, how fucking desperate are you to pretend to get Dizzy Hogan? <laughs> False advertising Dizzy Hogan all over the place. That's hilarious. Um. <laughs> Jay, Jay Saldi said it to somebody he shouldn't have said it to and they're like what are we going to do <laughs> I've never seen a Dizzy Hogan match I don't think have, has anybody... I've seen a few in Portland you don't want to I was going to say I know he's in Portland and yeah oh Christ <laughs> that's hilarious um, yeah this was oh this match was horrible 
Uh, it was so sloppy. There was um, a head scissor spot that got totally botched along the ropes at one point. Um, but but Renesto at one point he gets fired up. He pulls down the straps on his singlet, which was yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Sullivan didn't go. Renesto dropping those straps like only but Jerry the King Lawler, the King of Memphis, does. <laughs> yeah, they were just throwing stuff on the wall in this match to see what would stick. Um, and then at the end, uh, Adidas attempted a victory roll, but uh, Renesta wasn't ready for that one, and it got botched. And then Adidas quickly pinned him with a small package and, and basically left the ring as soon as he could because he was embarrassed. Th- this was one of the worst matches we've seen. Yeah, I mean, we'll all agree it, it sucks. I, I want to get back more to talking about the uh... – and the love letter, which was happening out throughout the uh, throughout the show yes. of Mercer and uh, uh, and our boy Jay Saldi talking about Hogan in the mm-hmm. movie and Dizzy Hogan. Um, Kelly, what type of impact? Because I mean, obviously, world class had nothing to do with this movie, but they definitely were trying to glam on and trying to get some type of uh, yeah. reward from it. Um, what what did it mean back then for like Hogan to go do something like that? Oh, it was huge. I mean, he he was in a movie that I believe was, I think, number two for the year, box office, to uh, only E.T. in 1982. So Rocky Three was huge. I, I mean, Johnny and I talked about this on The Last Mount Olympus. I mean, I loved Rocky Three. I loved the soundtrack. I was totally, I just, I loved that movie. It was a huge movie. And Hogan, I mean, I don't know about you, Kelly. You might have been too young, but I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I saw it in the theater. Yeah, I didn't see it in the theater, but I, I I was young enough to be aware of it at that time. But yeah, it it was a huge movie, and Hogan being in it, that was a huge deal. I mean, wrestlers at this point, you know, what uh, since the, the days of Gorgeous George in the early '50s and and the first TV boom, hadn't really attained mainstream recognition at at all. Um, you had regional guys that were big but hogan was suddenly now a national star he was on the carson show uh promoting rocky three in 1982 so this was all well before vince got a hold of him again wait 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 wait. hogan was on the carson before he was in the wwf yes yeah wow i didn't know that yeah um Mm. yeah it was in 1982 he's talking about hulkamania and all that. I think he even has like a proto Hulkamania T-shirt at that time. Oh, it's weird, weird, wild stuff. <laughs> yeah. So that's how big it was. I mean, it was huge. And you know, Hogan, that was what made him. You know, he he was already getting to be a pretty big star, uh, just within the wrestling world. But the Rocky appearance just made him, you know, the, the biggest star wrestling had had in in decades, really. Yeah, I and mean, you think about it, like, WrestleManias, they get that media hook constantly now. I mean, this year, it's it's Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the WWF has gotten, you think about big ones in the, in the history, like Mike Tyson for the Mania uh, that launched Stone Cold career. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, it was a lot harder to get that media rub that, we, that, that the WWF gets now. Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, Johnny, uh, well, you're around. You were around in the era of this time around. I mean, 
what did it mean for a wrestler to be in a, in a, in a big block office movie? And not only that, but a, I don't want to say a huge part, but a me- very memorable part. Uh, it, it meant a lot towards, uh, as we see here, them trying to latch onto it. And look, trust me, I'm going to get to that and how that's done. But it was a big deal. Uh, I, but I think more of a big deal initially, just a blip that Vern failed to, <laughs> to sustain and Vince saw what was going on and pulled him in. Yeah, just uh, the events being able to yeah. you know, boom and then you know put the rocket pack to Hulk and yeah, yeah, exactly. This is my plan. This is what I need. And it was all perfect. It was a, a perfect timing. Uh, but I don't know how big it really was. I guess being on The Tonight Show, I mean, that's something, man. You know, I, I had no idea that. Uh, took the, wow, that's that's impressive, man. And that's what's really impressive. Imagine you're a wrestler who is on The Tonight Show based just on being in a movie. You know, and they didn't give a shit about him being as a wrestler. You know, and they're like, oh, that guy showed enough charisma in that movie to be on the fucking Tonight Show. And in the, also the time, you got to also think, I mean, this is where Hogan probably first met Mr. T. This is where the connection mm. stuff oh, yeah. started. Oh, yeah. That led to bigger and greater oh, things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that led to WrestleMania 1, okay? Cause, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I, compl- I completely avoided the question. Type of spotlight. So this is what made it even bigger. Yeah. Oh, it was – It's. It, people don't understand how I mean, Hulk Hogan was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And see, here's the thing. And we talk about the, the way things are today. And like, well, this guy got involved and that guy got involved. Back then, the general public, the general public, far more than now, all thought wrestling was fucking stupid. And if you liked wrestling, you were fucking stupid. And that doesn't exist anymore. And it hasn't for a while. You get it every now and then, but not the way when we were growing up. Oh, yeah, you had it like, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, no, not the way we were growing up, you know, and for a brief moment there, Hulk Hogan is fucking on this night show. He's on cover of Sports Illustrated, and, you know, it, it, for a brief moment there, you know, yeah, and it was all because of that Rocky movie, so it was very important. And then you look at it, I think about it, Kelly, what if Vince was actually, if Hogan was with Vince in 82 and he got, he got the Rocky movie, how, how, I mean, like Vince, you know, would have, again, would have done so much more with it than Vern did, you know? Yeah, but let's not sell Vern that short. He did. I mean, Hogan was in the main events. He. Oh, right, right. The, 1983 for the AWA was their biggest year ever, box office wise, with Hogan basically, you know, selling out everywhere. Um, it was just. You know, you can't fuck you can't fuck the fans that many times. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there was that. Penalty, the, old, the, the old shooter mentality of Vern, where you need to have a real wrestler on top. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I, I mean, a lot of it had to do with Hogan being a New Japan guy when uh, right. Vern was an All Japan guy, and there was all that political BS that um, may have prevented Hogan from having the AWA title. Yeah, he was, he was screwing Vern out of a, a, pay, a you know, payment. Right, and, and Hogan wanted to merchandise shirts and stuff, but Vern wanted a huge cut of that. Yeah, um, and, acor- and according to Hogan on Jericho's podcast, uh, they wanted him to date uh, Vern's daughter, who he thought was ugly. Oh, yeah, I do, <laughs> yeah. 
Is that who Larry Z eventually got? I think so. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, but... I, I, I didn't say it. This, I heard that on that podcast. I was like, what right. the fuck? Hogan's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that one, too. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it was Vince who had the vision. Vince was the one who wanted to take wrestling beyond um, what it was and, and make it into Hollywood and make it into Walt Disney or whatever. So Vern... Real, I mean, it's not like Vern had that vision and just failed. I mean, he just, he didn't have that vision at all. <laughs> he, right. he had the traditional pro wrestling vision and, and how to draw and he drew huge money with Hogan. So, and what he did with Hogan also is he took wrestling from something that everyone said, if you like wrestling, you're stupid. He made it. If you like wrestling, you're too old to like it, but there's an appropriate age to like it because it's a kid's thing. And that's why he went for that demographic, and that's why that's a big part why he was successful. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, that le- and then we go into Jose Lothario versus Superfly. But and but, again, but hold on, uh, hold on. Have, Pete, I'm sorry, Peter, what? If, if I may, I do need to talk about how Saldi <laughs> talked about Dizzy Hogan and Hulk Hogan coming in. Oh, go for it. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Number one, Pete, this, I thought you'd pick up on this. Uh, they said they were running a spectacular in San Antonio. Now, this is 1982. Isn't San Antonio Blanchardstown? Yes, but they, this is also the time, well, they, uh, Blanchard was considered an outlaw. Oh, okay. So they didn't yeah. truly respect him. No. And, oh, okay. uh, and this is also, they were also battling over the Houston uh, office at this mm. time where, yeah. Fritz wanted to push his kids. You had uh, uh, Bosch wanted to push Gino, and you had uh, Blanchard wanted to push Tully. So there was a lot of a lot of infighting there, and a lot okay. of uh, a cock measuring, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Fritz yeah. Was, yeah, Fritz was doing running San Antonio shows for a while, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I knew you guys would know. I, I, I made a point of ask about this because I knew you guys would know. Um, but say we're bringing in Dizzy Hogan, the brother of Hulk Hogan, and Saldi goes ape shit. Hulk Hogan, Thunderlips, Hulkamania is running across the nation. He picked up Rocky Balboa. I gave him the best body slam of the year. <laughs> and, and so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. He, he thinks Rocky three was a documentary. <laughs> okay. We'll get to that. Uh, and then Bill has to go. Yes. And Dizzy Hogan will be here soon. I was like, Oh my God. He didn't need to hype Hogan that much. It was, right. It, it, he, trying to glam on to that uh, that, that lust. The no, lust. they no. You had to go. We've got Dizzy Hogan, the brother of Hulk Hogan, and y'all know that name, right? Boom, and he goes and comes all over for Hogan. Like he's the man. It's oh God, and Bill has to try to clean up his mess. Oh. <laughs> uh, Thanks. That leads us into the Jose Lothario uh, versus Superfly, <laughs> where, where we get to see Saldi burying them uh, by uh, pretending to be boxers, but not actually hitting each other. Um, what you make of the match and Saldi just burying them? Uh, yeah, this was not a this. I mean, this was probably the 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 least interesting Jose Lothario match we've seen. Oh, it definitely was. 
bad. Um, At least he threw that one wicked missed uppercut. But oh, my God. Hand. Yeah. That was the best. That saved this for me. It did. <laughs> because Jose Lothario can do no wrong. And this is not his fault. And that that the okay, the look on the face of the Superfly, which you can see, and I'm gonna get to that when he saw how close that came and how and how fast it went, and the visual of that was badass. I was like, I could take that away from this because Jose gave us a gem in the middle of this piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean. Uh, so at the beginning, this is like a nitro match from the nineties with Mercer and Saldy talking about everything other than the action in the ring. Uh, they, they really go in deep with the flair versus carry talk. That's still, still, uh, the big, uh, topic here. And the Superfly is just not very good. That's for sure. Um, I want to mention this this young lady in the crowd that they show a lot. It actually, it's been for the last two shows at least, where I'm sure you guys know who I'm re- uh, referencing. She sits there stone faced, you know, while everyone else is going batshit crazy around um, around her. She's oh, she she got the little girl who's yeah, sitting next to her who's yeah. going, who is going crazy. Yeah, 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 she yeah she's the she's the one who don't she's the one who got dragged to this shit. I, I can't believe so. she's fucking here. Because apparently her little girl or her little sister digs it. Yeah, and I think maybe her husband's there too, and it's yeah. and it's, it's hilarious. Oh, which one of those? Which one of those charming contestants of the, of the Bachelor do you think she goes home with? <laughs> yeah, her expression does that's not. A, change that's a, that's a murderer's row of fucking <laughs> studs right there. <laughs> yeah, she just sits there with the same expression show after show. It's hilarious. Um. Maybe she really likes good wrestling. Yeah, she's like a Japanese. She's like a Japanese. She's like fan. this. She's like I can't. This sucks. Supervised. Um, yeah, of course. Mercer and Saldy continue to slobber all over Hulk Hogan in this match too. And yeah, so for the match, Superfly is just—he's not a good heel. You don't feel like he's a threat at any. A, you know, a, a threat at, at all. He's just, he's 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 big, but he doesn't wrestle like a big guy. He he's his offense is so light, um, just crappy looking. And then this ends in a cheap DQ with Hussein getting pulled into the ring. And yeah, yeah, like I said, it's Jose's least interesting match. And the Superfly. How much more do we have to put up with this dude? Exactly. We got to admit, Johnny, Jose Lothario, mm-hmm. even though he's been not even getting a real push here, he is still over with the crowd. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Jose's. I, I, I was like, <laughs> I saw this. I'm like, well, I'm going to sit back here and see how much of a miracle worker Jose Lothario is. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he delivered that gem of an uppercut, and Jose had. Yeah, he he didn't have a lot to work with here, man. You know, you can only do so much. But and Jose's always been a worker where he usually he, his best work comes when he has an angle to play with. And we haven't seen yeah, he's that one with Kabuki, but they just pulled it away and gave it to Bugsy. Instead. Well, yeah, well, you know, because you know Bugsy's more over well, with Kitty, so he he you know they're both feuding with H and H, but poor Jose's got a feud with the, the fucking Superfly. 
And, you know, <laughs> you know like, you know, oh, fuck you. Ah. <laughs> you know, because Bugsy McGraw can get really close to children right now is the reason why Jose Lothario isn't feeding with goddamn Kabuki. Ugh, God damn it. And you can tell that Superfly's serious, though, about trying to box because he's sleeveless now. So he doesn't have the sleeves anymore. <laughs> yeah. you know, which I'm like, that's a start. You know, let, maybe every week you can lose more and more of that fucking costume <laughs> until it's all goddamn gone because it's the worst goddamn costume. And it's one of the reasons why. And I'm going to be walking a tightrope here. But... That mask, number one, it's a terrible mask. But that mask and the way it's it's cut to have the eyes and the no, the nose and the mouth is the most accidentally racist fucking mask of all time. It because he but likes to bug his eyes out and shit when he sells and stuff. Good, whatever. But the way it's shaped with the white around it and his reactions makes him look like. That African-American actor, he was great, who was in all those Three Stooges movies, and he had to play, like, the porter or right. whoever who got yeah. scared, yeah. you know, and uh, the, the, the uncomfortable part of loving the Three Stooges still. Uh, and, and he's a genius, but that's what he did, and that's what he looks like with that. I, I hate it. I hate it. It's, it's terrible. Uh, but... They do love... Uh, but good fashion is mentioned, because... Both Jay Saldi and uh, Bill Mercer really like Jose's robe because <laughs> uh, he's and it, it's a pretty swank looking robe, man. I think it's got the Mexican flag on it or something. It's 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 got these folds, and uh, Saldi says, "Well, that's one. Of, well, that's one of the nicest uh, robes I've ever seen in a long time." And uh, Bill Mercer goes, "Yes, it has a nice flow." <laughs> I was like, oh. And then apparently they get to tell the story about the Superfly getting arrested. He was at a party in California, or or Jay was. At first, I thought Jay was saying that's where he was for the last couple of weeks. I was at a party in California. <laughs> I was like, "Is that where you were?" That was a long fucking party, man. It was 1982. I get it, um, but. The Superfly was at a party in California that got out of control in San Diego. And sometimes, you know, you just cross over into Tijuana accidentally and get in some fucking trouble and end up in a Mexican jail. I was like, what the fuck are you? Why? Why are you doing this? And because he wanted to talk about the weight loss. You know, because all that weight loss, you know, it's a. Uh, and then he, he. He starts to make a good point and says, you know, the weight loss would probably help him in the ring, but you know, if he keeps eating, like I seen him eating backstage, he's going to be a fat fuck again in no time. Basically. I just like, <laughs> fuck you. He mentions Rodney Piper again. He says that Al looks like he goes, and Al, he says that Jose is he resembles an old Almadrill. Yes. Because they're both um, used boxing. Like, no, no, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. Shut up. I know what you thought. Uh, the Hogan shit. He's talking about how, he's talking about actually to Pete's point. 
He goes, it's so important to see a pro wrestler in a position like that show in the world and that a man like Rocky Balboa points it out in his movie like that is, um, did I, did, did I say Rocky Balboa? <laughs> I, I, I meant Sylvester Stallone. He's, the, he's, then he decides to shit on Bob Blackland again. <laughs> Saying that after a while, he saw at Madison Square Garden. You're talking about oh, Superfly. Yeah, There's, yeah. At first, I thought. At first, I thought, hey, he's like, you know, you remember I mentioned? Why isn't he bringing up the fucking real Superfly? That's all he does. And uh, he's there's only one real Superfly, and that's Jimmy Snooker. Uh, and you saw what he did to Bob Blackman up in New York off the cage. He should be the WWF champion is what I think. And I'm like, what? Fritz is not approving that. Is Fritz paying attention to this? <laughs> it, it's, it, 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 it's, oh, it's baffling. And then, then after that, you get the, 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 the still that just says, Kabuki is coming. Kabuki's been there forever. He's not coming. So that makes it just really funny. Hey, uh, in case you're wondering what's happening right now, Kabuki's with Stella Mae French in the back. Hey, he's coming. Just, uh, this is terrible. <laughs> then, we, yeah, then we get this Gary Hart interview with Kabuki, right? And I like the fact that Mercer brings up uh, Checkmate coming. Mm, oh, and and Gary Hart pretty much breaks character. Like, yes. Who told you about Checkmate? Well, last week they revealed it on the TV. Uh Mercer did himself, uh, and so uh, this was just awkward. What 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 you make of this, Johnny? No, it's not what I think happened. If I may disagree, here's what I thought okay. happened. Here. Number one, I thought this was lovely and charming. It was one of my favorite things we've seen uh, here because it's obvious that Bill Mercer and Gary Hardy get along very well mm-hmm. and have a great port. And Gary's in his Cubs jacket, and he's like, "Oh, you Cubs fans!" And then Kubuki's just standing there looking cool in his mask, and. Mercer even starts with, he's doing, he, start, he starts the interview, he goes, well, 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 hey, first I must congratulate you on winning the All-Asia Heavyweight Championship. And Gary Hart says, well, thank you very much, Bill. And uh, I wrote down, this is lovely. And he eventually mentions Checkmate, and I think Gary was fucking, fucking with him in a fun way. Because he goes, he goes oh, how'd you know about Checkmate? And he he doesn't he, what he says is he, he stumbles and he's like, well uh, I I heard about it and he goes and Gary Hart goes he's looking right at me he goes oh okay and like smiles a little bit and walks away and Mercer giggles and I I just think that he was fucking with him a little bit and just had a little fun with him and that's how it came off to me. Fair enough. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah, this is kind of weird. Well, I mean, Hart is. A different kind of heel. We've talked about that before. And here he's just a regular guy. There was nothing heelish about him. It was just just a conversation between him and Mercer. And I love it. I love him so much. Yeah, he's really good. And the big thing was that he brought up that Kabuki has mastered a new leg hold. A new leg hold, right. Yes, so that was the purpose of the interview, really. Yeah, he described it as a mixture of the figure four leg lock and the spinning, yeah. uh, the spinning toe hold. Yeah. And that leads us to Kabuki versus Sal Alvarez, Kelly. What, what, what do you think thoughts here? <laughs> well, um, good thing that um, Gary Hart 
uh, describe the new leg hold to us because we didn't get to see it in this much. No, we did. Uh, did we? I, I thought that's what he was doing. Those spinning leg holds that went down to hurt the leg. He did three of them in, in, in a row to make him quit. That's his move. Oh, see, I thought he was just setting him up like you were setting up, like the hammer would set up for the figure four by working on the Right, leg. but, but, but I, I, I was thinking the same thing, and I'm like, wait a minute. If it's a mixture between – okay, that's it. That's what it is. Yeah, I guess so. I <laughs> Yeah. I didn't – well, Pete's asleep again. Uh, I'm not asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I heard some, some Zs there. Um, but – yeah, the leg hold. I guess. Yeah, that's 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 right. I just thought it was strange that he he was setting up for the leg hold and then it just ended, or the referee called for the match to end um, before he could even put it on. But no, I think you're right, John. Well, it would make sense if they, it would make well if it would make sense if they're teasing something. So we, we'll see. Yeah, and I actually liked his leg kicks in the match. Yeah. But yeah, but it made no sense that they weren't going to use the uh, leg lock as a finish here. I guess especially against Oliveris. What were your thoughts, Johnny? Um, let's see. Uh, I first thing I wrote down. Oh, the finishing move is a, a spin is a is a a shin breaking uh, spinning toe toe hold, and so that's what I thought his finish was. And then he did three of them, and he and that made him quit. You know, Sal w- couldn't get up from those three, so I just figured that was this new move of his. Um. But then Bugsy runs in, uh, heart bumps, uh, and Bugsy's running around in his get-up and shit. And Bugsy is, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but if I did, I'm sorry. Go, anyone, just go look it up on YouTube. You've seen it. Look up Epic Beard Man and type that into YouTube. You will find where Bugsy McGraw is living right now. (laughs) Are you going to make everyone look it up, or are you going to tell us where he's living? No, no, it's not actually. But just <laughs> I know, I know, I was, I know. Apparently, it's Oakland. I think this happened in. <laughs> I mean, well, that leads us right into the main event of David Von Erich, King Kong Bundy. I, uh, well, what are you thinking here, Kelly? This was a good match for sure, because um, they built it up uh, from last week. This was a real main event. It's a unique match, first time match with Bundy and David going against each other. David has the cowbell bull rope, you know, that they're building up to uh, a bull rope match, I guess would be the the big blow off that you won't see on TV between these two. Anyway. Yeah. Bundy pounded away at David right from the get go. David gets sent outside and, and he's pissed off. He kicks over a chair and then comes back into the ring and pretty much immediately puts on the iron claw which was maybe a bit too early in the match for that because it didn't really go anywhere. And he's a, he's allowed yeah, to use, he's allowed with a uh, sleeper. He's allowed right. to use it. He's allowed to use it as a transition move. He's not allowed to use it as a finisher. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Um, and the sleeper from the last episode that was brought up that it was his uh, hold that he'd mastered while he was in Florida, and. Yeah, I don't know if he's he's going forward with that or not, but anyway. Um, well, who, did Salt did Saldy bring that up? Yeah, I remember Saldy brought it up oh. that he mastered Goodnight Irene in uh, Goodnight Irene. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cuz because he knows that Adrian Adonis calls it that. Uh, <laughs> fucking asshole. 
Um, let's see. Bronco Lubitsch took a bump in this match, which is rare for him. So that was <laughs> very rare. What? I mean, it was like <laughs> you can see it coming a mile away. And you're like, no. Yeah. Hey, his hair took a bump when Bugsy messed it all up, man, uh, <laughs> er, earlier. And he was like, oh, my God. I mean, dude, Bugsy's fingers must have been as greasy as fuck from whatever it is that Bronco puts in his hair. So so he with, between that and his mustache, he can look like an extra in every old Dick Tracy cereal. <laughs> um, so Bronco took a bump. A substitute referee came in, and he gets bumped within seconds. So. Two bump or two ref bumps. It's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah, we get a slugfest. Of course, the match is way out of control at this point. Um, and then we get a post match brawl that goes on for quite a long time. Uh, the wrestlers from, come from the back to break it up. And yeah, I thought the crowd wasn't as hot as you know they were. They had this big brawl going on and you just didn't really feel like the crowd was too totally into it and they're so rabid for so much other stuff it's it's weird that they were a little subdued um when they were actually doing a big hot brawl here but anyway maybe i i, I was wrong i don't know um but i thought it was a good match and it yeah definitely makes you want to see something of more consequence between these two and that's that's what's coming up don't know if we're going to see it ourselves on the TV, but anyway. I will say that David worked his matches with Bundy. I thought smarter than Harley did uh, against Bundy, where Harley Waits was exchanging holds, which is not right. No one you should be doing that. You should be uh, like here was like a brawl where they hated each other. Um, uh, you know, it was a fun little sprint brawl. Harley uh, doesn't hate Bundy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but still, it's a big guy. You know, it's just weird. I mean, he's working arm locks and stuff. I mean, it'd be one thing if Harley was trying to chop down the big guy and went after his legs and stuff, but he's working arm arm locks and hammer well, locks. Well, the, the, the only thing I'd say, I mean, I get it, but my, my flip side of that is, like, if you got the guy who's the uh, six-time world champion and the 19-year-old giant fat guy, that guy can use holds and, and try to work down that kid. And then that's fine. I can even buy Harley doing that. But then Bundy's offense should have been a lot more explosive when he had the opportunities, as in Again, power it, moves, as opposed to grabbing holds and working them with Harley. He's been psyched out by the champion. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> um, but I, I like this. I uh, I thought it was a solid revisiting of history. Uh, uh, the uh, 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 I like the King of the Mountain spots. I thought they worked really well here. Yeah, but that Bronco b- uh, bump was the worst thing I've ever seen. And then Larry Hayes as a double. But I like I like the ending of a nice little pull apart there. Uh, leaves us wanting more. Uh, what you make of it, Johnny? Okay, well, Bill Mercer, I'm gonna give him a little shit now. Okay, again with Bundy. Oh, they're looking like one of the Coneheads. No. It's literally the opposite, Bill. <laughs> it's literally the opposite of the conehead. Look, it's as round as a bowling ball. Stop it. Um, and Saudi's going off on some of his bullshit. Blah, 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 blah. God knows, because the sound's dipping in and out on the audio. And 
I just by this time, I, I, I'm just trying to block him from my fucking head as much as I can. And Bill interrupts to actually talk about the fucking match instead of some, you know, shit. They go, I heard that Matt Brock did an investigative report that Liz Hunter was fucking Eddie Elder in the broom closet. And, uh, and then he goes, before I was so rudely interrupted, and Bill goes, <laughs> he's like, oh. and then he says some more bullshit. I was like, no, nobody cares. Shut up. Nobody cares. Nobody. None. And there were some people in that crowd who were going nuts. Those dudes in the front, when he, when David put the claw on the cone head, there was like, th- like three dudes just drinking and going up, making the claw, going, ah, right in the camera. I love those guys. <laughs> and, and then we're, we're at the end of this. David's been back for two shows and he hasn't brought up the rule breaker fucking stuff. And he goes, I just want to say one more time. David Von Erich did not turn rule breaker in Florida. It was all about the football. They, they didn't like Super Bowl. I'm like, and, 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 Martin, and, and Bill Mercer finally figures maybe if I just acknowledge this, he'll finally shut up about it. And he goes, well, you know, you know, he wasn't, no, he didn't, he, he, he does his best to actually acknowledge it about, you know, oh no, he wasn't a, uh, he didn't turn against the fans and the, but you know, you know, those people, they can be hard to get along with. And, and big Saldi's going nuts. And then Bill Mercer, God bless him, actually comes up with a, a line to explain why David Von Erich might have behaved the way he did in Florida. He goes, well, when, you know, when you have to break into a castle like that, you sometimes have to use a pile driver. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yes, Bill, good. Thank you. That's, you know, who did Carrie write that for you? <laughs> Writing his poetry? Because that was great. It fucking salty stinks. And then they start talking about the rankings. And he's like, in our rankings, David Von Erich is right above Rodney Piper and uh, and uh, Tommy Wavarich. What? And <laughs> But in the NWA's rankings, yeah. he's a nine. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why do, why do your rankings have – is this your rankings? Yeah, I this is understand. this is his rankings apparently. Kelly, yeah, he, he he he's making his own rankings apparently because I thought he was talking. He was about the PWI rankings. It, it's it's the fucking worst. It's the worst. And uh, then he gets into the words. He, he says more and more and it's more and more and looking like. And I was like, you little Abner sounding cock sucking. I, I hate you. <laughs> I, 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 when does he go away? When wow, did he fucking go away? Mr. Johnny Sorrow. I hate him. Uh, He's the worst the announcer Johnny ever. Sorrow's opinions here on, on the network. Uh. <laughs> it's the worst. But but then okay, then this is funny because when they're breaking up the fight, um, oh gosh, what was his name? The the uh, the Mexican uh, fellow who the stout 
guy who was, did a job Roberto, earlier. Roberto Renesto. Not Renesto. Not Renesto. He's Italian. Sal, <laughs> Sal Oliveras. No, the other one. Uh, uh, Pete Montrose. Yes, it was Montrose. So <laughs> they run into break it up. Montrose has no idea what side he's supposed to be on because of all the baby faces holding back the baby face and the heels holding back the heels. At first, he's on the baby face side, and then Jose comes running in and sort of directs him. Like, no. And, and he goes running over to the heel side. I was like, this poor guy. He, he has no idea what's going on here. <laughs> And, well, here, let's just end it up here. Uh, and Jose <laughs> saves the day. Jose saves the day. Uh, you I know, hated just, this. Just, I hated this. Okay. Um, well, I liked it. Um, <laughs> what about you, Kelly? Did you like the main event? Yeah. The I, match was great. Everything else. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, yes, the salty commentary is, is not good. Um, no, it's not. Um, the match was, was good. Um, I just had a... Well, it was not. It was even. Um, it was actually Mercer and Saldi didn't really do a great job of selling the the post match brawl too. They weren't really getting too excited about it. That was my criticism: is that it didn't really feel too hot, depend despite what they were doing in the ring. But we'll see how it goes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, especially because he's pretty hot. He should be pretty hot coming back from Florida, I guess, at this point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe we'll Bum- no, maybe Bundy's getting a bit stale. That he's that could been, be it too. It's been through and he's both. He's already been beaten by Fritz and Kevin. Yeah, yeah, and Kerry body slammed him. Like, there's not much you can do with yeah. Bundy. Yeah, yeah, and then he's gonna go on strike. It, uh, God, the Freebirds cannot get here soon enough. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, I, I I like this show better than the last one. I, the first one we did last week. Um. But I'm just, you know, it feels like we're biding time again until the Freebirds get to town. Um, just a lot of stale, stale players, and the yeah, and yeah. the Von Ericks are haven't been positioned yet to be the superstars that they'll become, and they'll need that that fire that is the Freebirds to light it, like that match, like that fuse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot like modern WWE. After the summer, you have that lull. Yeah, um, in the fall. Uh, and until things pick up again, and, and we're I think we're in a, a lull period right now. Yeah, and we just gotta, and in between that, we just gotta beg for Ric Flair appearances. Um, <laughs> that's rough, rough. Well, so, well, someone, someone should send a link to this show to Michael Hayes so he can listen to it and just be like, "Yep, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you just jerk off listening to how we're gonna go nuts for him." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Kelly, anything you want to add before we head out? No, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Johnny. I'm, I'm good. I'm sorry about all my negativity. I really watched this in a bad mood. So sorry. All right, man. Well, guys, uh, a lot of stuff out on the network. I mean, you have uh, All Star, you have uh, Mid Atlantic, you have Mid South, you have World Class. A lot of stuff to choose from. Um, <clears throat> and I'm leaving a lot of stuff out. Um, but man, the network really is becoming that network which we really wanted it uh, to be when it first launched, and it's oh, amen to yeah. that, you know. Um, uh, we'll be doing some other shows from time to time, like we did the Mid Atlantic. I'm sure Kelly's hankering for an All Star episode, uh, and uh, and I'm sure we'll do a couple more uh, Mid Atlantics here and there. Uh, but we're definitely going to be trudging <laughs> through this world class. I can't wait till we get to December. 
1983 and, and beyond. So, with that note, everyone have a great week, and we'll catch you later. My heartaches and troubles are just up and gone. The moment that you come in view And with your hand in mine, dear I could dance on and on And I could waltz across Texas with you Waltz across Texas with you is with you like a story book ending I'm lost in your charms and I could waltz across Texas with you